thank you. Thank you for coming on. I'm totally psyched to talk to you. And I have more questions than we have time. Oh my gosh. I hope I have answers. I don't know if I have all the answers. So I'm going to, before I pick a fight with you, I'm going to thank you for coming on. Cause you got up at four 30 in the morning to record this. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Like that's badass. Then I'm going to say a couple of things because everything that I've done continue to do pretty much started with you. And so you've been like a central feature in my journey and, and will continue it, you know, because I have like a little Tyler in the back of my mind and it, like, I mean, we've been friends for, since I started and we don't, we don't talk as much recently, but, but I, but I kind of like imagine like what would Tyler do or say a lot of the times. And so, um, my very first shooting match was the sniper adventure challenge and you were there. And, and so you were the first real shooter that I ever met. And, you know, I was nobody still still nobody but but i mean you you went out of your way to be friendly and helpful and thoughtful and insightful and i took advantage of that and continue to reach out to you so 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 i think it's cool that, that i could ask you questions because i really look up to you and, and admire a lot of things about you period and so like first i have to start with that because um my rule for the podcast is i got to bring my friends on and i don't really need to justify why but um, because there's a lot of shit out there and there's a lot of shit that doesn't need justification, but, but like the stand of my principles, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm like an old surfer, skateboarder, climber where you earn your street cred through your actions. Yeah. And, and you walk the walk and you've never done anything that has made me question your integrity, question your capability. And, and, uh, so that kind of action I just see is, you know, that, that, that's how you earn your, your street cred in my world. And there's very few people that, that have done that. And, and I, and I feel like I've done a couple things that have caused friction between us a little bit. And I'm, I'm happy to talk about that, but, but I just want to come out and say that, that I admire a lot of things about you. And I, I was joking about fighting, but I, I learned through arguing and because you have opinions I feel like right or wrong, we can argue about stuff or talk about stuff and agree or disagree, but damn, it's nice to have somebody who has a thought that's not just regurgitating something that they saw or heard and, and you literally think about it. So like, I think that, you know, if you had one amazing quality as an instructor, it's that you have an opinion. I do have an opinion for sure. Uh, to, to jump back to what you were talking about, um, you know, yeah, we have been friends for a while, um, but I will not, I don't think I'll ever forget. I forget what was it? 2018 or 2019. It was, it was in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was doing the podcast. I think it was in an, maybe it's in infancy, like first or second year. And I did an episode on wind calling, um, and then you went and, and just crushed it and destroyed it over at Rifles Only. And you were like telling me about how you listened to that podcast and like that entire match, you were just focused on like what's the wind doing and, and 
you know how awesome that was, man? Like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to top that podcast with uh, <laughs> with, with the success of what you, you know, what, what feedback you gave me. It was pretty cool. Um, but as far as, like, being real and having opinions, I mean, I don't know. I think I woke up on January 1st and of 2023, and, and I felt like the precision rifle industry just started to lose its way where everybody was running rampant saying shit that is either what they've heard or they haven't tested or or it just it started to to crush my my soul a little bit that there's so many crazy things being said out there and nobody's testing them um or nobody's questioning them we're just taking, you know, somebody's 70,000 followers at their face value of they probably know what they're talking about. Um, so this year has just been more of we need to get real stuff to the surface. And, you know, if we see something that isn't right, then we're going to we're going to call it out. And I think you've been doing that. Um, I see your stuff all the time. Uh you know, one of my favorite recent posts that you have is that uh, that cardboard cutout of your wind calling percentages. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was pretty cool. I don't know if I'm skilled enough to make something like that, but that was pretty badass. Should sell that. Bunch of no, no, no. I mean, I, I think like I'm visual, so it helps me to make something that's visual, and, and people could make it for free. I don't. A lot of people thought like, oh, there's a tool that I would use. And it's like, no, not really. It's just a visual to kind of get an understanding of stuff. And I, I really like that. I, I like the idea that there's some things that should always be free. And then there's some things that, that people should pay for. And um, I kind of go after the, like, what's real and reproducible. And then the free stuff, you know, why, how, how are we going to push, how are we going to push the field forward if people aren't, um, focused on things that will actually push things forward, <laughs> you know what I mean? But we're getting off topic a little bit because uh, I still want to talk about you for a sec and 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 hopefully make you uncomfortable here. Oh, you you're one of the few people I say that that kind of walks the walk. And what I mean by that is is you continue to explore things that that um, you haven't had as much success in, rather than just doing the same thing that you have success in. And and I think that's really cool because you can use rifles for a lot of things. In fact, you train people to use rifles for a lot of different things. And and I think it's easy to get stuck in, you know, I'm going to, I'm only using it to shoot prairie dogs and forgetting that you could learn something if you start thinking about what people do when they're not shooting prairie dogs. And so you've, you've had success in a lot of different styles of shooting. And so like, and, and you don't often talk about your laurels, which is awesome, but you have them. And so I'm going to point them out. Uh, I think probably one of the hardest matches in the country, if not the world in the field, like field match shooting is the steel safari, the uh, competition dynamic steel safari. And, and you've won that. So it proves that you're good in the field and you're good, you know, locating, ranging, engaging, making your own wing calls. Um, You've placed, you know, top three a lot of times at Sniper Adventure Challenge. 
which which means that like you're tough mentally and physically you've won precision rifle style matches like nrl prs kind of matches so you've shown that you have you know you can be fast you know and make fast shots you know turbo you know i call it turbo fundamentals like you can apply turbo fundamentals um and, and there really isn't a style that i haven't seen you show up at and do well at but but more than that like you keep going and 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 i've also seen you go to team matches with people who weren't as good as you and 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 then and that puts you in a place of not necessarily winning but you don't care because it's the experience so like you're willing to put yourself aside and say this is about the experience and the growth of the person I'm with and the dynamic of the team and so i i like you don't see that very often a lot of people are afraid to get the ego check of not a top performance and a lot of people are afraid to go outside of their lane if they have success at one style they don't pursue the other but rather i see you chasing all of the things that could potentially you know keep you from having a high standard across the board which i think is is really spectacular so so i appreciate that a lot and i think that the people that you teach they benefit from that because you can demonstrate it um I, I kind of jokingly just say, it's like, show me on the doll. Like if I said, Tyler, like, I don't get this. Show me. You, you don't need a five MOA target to, yeah. to be able to, to be able to demonstrate. I feel like a lot of videos you see online now, you, you know, you look and you think, okay, that's a cool video. And then like you pause it and you zoom in and, and you look at like the mill reticle and you're like, that, that fucking target is 1.2 mils. Like <laughs> you could do anything and hit it. Uh, that doesn't show me much, you know, and, and so the, the, the difference between like the sex appeal of some of the media versus the skill appeal, I'm too old to not really respect the skill appeal over the sex appeal. I mean, you're sexy, but, but like, you know, you don't have to make flashy videos and stuff like that. And then lastly, I'm going to say, uh, before we, before we get in here is that, um, you almost never refer to i mean you do from time to time but but it's very rare and it takes a special set of circumstances for you to refer to your service as a marine and and you were a scout sniper right and and uh man i just i respect the shit out of that too because i mean i mean the service is awesome across the board but but man it's too common to see somebody use a prior label as the selling feature, regardless of the substance underneath it. And and you have the substance and you sell the substance and the results of your students. And you almost never mention, and, and you could like, you could say like, come learn to shoot from a scout sniper. And there are people out there that would be interested in that hearing nothing else. Yeah. But the fact that you don't use that as a marketing tool speaks to your confidence in your teaching. And I think that that that's amazing. And, and, and like that, that's very rare. And, and, um, I think it needs more like recognition, but, but again, that that kind of defeats the purpose. But I want to say that, that for me personally, if, you know, if somebody says, you know, um, 
you know, I was a ground branch sniper. Come learn from me. I will never, ever go to them ever, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Uh, Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't know. So anyways, yeah, I don't, I don't expect you to, to, to comment on that so much, but oh, I do have a question about that though, that, uh, because I have rabbit hole things. I, sometimes you hear about, um, this is about Scott sniping and maybe, maybe, or maybe not, it has any relevancy, but, but so, so, you know, you, you hear a lot of things about the pigs, which are the students and you hear a lot of things about the hogs and then you hear things about scout snipers. What the hell is a razorback? Sometimes you hear about that term and I don't even know what it is. So is that a scout sniper like that has a beard? (laughs) So we had this conversation, um, you know, for people that don't know right now, um, I spend probably half the year, you know, as of, as of 2022, I spend half the year teaching Marines now, um, in a government contract position. So I'm teaching this course and, you know, a few of the students uh, were discussing it as instructors that they are becoming Razorbacks. And and I was just kind of privy to this conversation. I wasn't uh, one of the main stayers in it. And I was like, um, what do you mean they're becoming Razorbacks? And they're like, oh, uh, this is the last course that they need. And I think that there's an idea of kind of what generally needs to happen for a hog to become a Razorback, which is complete all Marine Corps related sniper schools. Um, and I think it's kind of changed depending on what, what the political climate is. Um, you know, when I was, when I was in the service, uh, Razorback was, you had to complete all schools and then you had to deploy in a combat role as a sniper. But if there's no combat to deploy in, then, you know, maybe the standards change. I think, uh, you know, there's nothing official. I mean, being a hog or pigs, and I not even an official Marine Corps thing. It's just, it's part of our culture mm-hmm. as uh, scout snipers. So a Razorback, I would say the, the baseline definition is that you've completed all Marine Corps schools and um, as far as the Marine Corps is concerned, you have nowhere left to go. You you are the standard. So that would be it. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Thanks for. I mean that that you know it's just one of those things. Like fuck, I don't know what that means. But yeah. uh, <laughs> well, that's that's pretty awesome. It that wasn't on the the contract for you. Like must be Razorback. I. Like, didn't know what a Razorback was. I just happened to get <laughs> lucky enough to uh, to become just, one. <laughs> right, right. I guess uh, that's how life goes. That's how that's how life goes. So let's let's get straight to it. Like you could say yes, and you could say no if you don't want to um, say much more than than it. Because I'll just hit you with a battery of questions. But like, what keeps you motivated about being a shooter? Oh man, motivated about being a shooter. Um, I like to win, Chris. I mean, I think you and I are kind of the kind of the same in that regard. I mean, you've won matches, you've won Sniper Adventure Challenge, which I'm still chasing, right? Um, but I feel like if 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 I can win it, then I I want to win it. So the motivation for me is to 
get better, to win, to prove that I can do something, to not be stuck in one, you know, discipline or one area. Um, but I like to challenge myself and I think it really just comes down to that. The motivation is to be better than the last time that I did it or to win something that people don't win all the time. I mean, it's, so, it's easy It's easy to, to get sidetracked, though. I mean, you know, I, I have very little interest in some of the, uh, the PRS stuff, you know, recently. It just... I don't know. Sometimes it feels like the juice isn't worth the squeeze anymore. Um, but I still enjoy the challenge of some of the stages that these match directors will put together. Um, you know, so I think more or less the challenge of it and, and I want to win. So if we can win it, I want to win it. That's it. I don't care what it is. So, so somebody that was going to argue with you would say like, dude, if, if I stalk you, I see you rock climbing. Yeah. I see you scuba diving. Uh, I yeah. see you lifting weights. I see you running. I see you doing all these other things. Like, how do you justify all of the stuff that you do, uh, you know, with, with your interest in shooting? Are they complementary or do they kind of work against each other? And does that matter? I wish they were complimentary. I don't know. I would say, you know, in terms of like lifting or, you know, I'm not lifting to become, you know, the next uh, Zane or, or Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm lifting because I want to, I want to be healthy. I want to improve my physical fitness. Um, I do exercise because I want to perform well at sniper venture challenge. I, I did a sniper venture challenge one year where I kind of walked into the match thinking that whatever I was, was good enough. And it was not the case. Um, I got a hard, you know, I got a hard ego check that year. It was just, it was not there. I was not prepared the way that I thought that I would be. So uh, physical fitness it, lifting, it just become part of, of who I am um, to stay in that shape so that, you know, anytime I get asked to do something or somebody hits me up, and says, hey, there's this team match and we have to run very far. And I'd be like, OK, I'm ready. Like, I don't have to get ready anymore. I'm just ready. Um, you know, some of the Olympic lifting, I, I got into it just because there was so much technique involved. You know, I, I feel like anybody could go to the gym and lay down on the bench press regardless of how much weight you can throw up, you can grab that bar and you can start cranking out some chest presses and right. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of crazy technique there, but when you're talking about, you know, lifting a barbell off the floor with a certain amount of weight and being able to, you know, use this technique to press it up over your head and then do a full squat while holding this weight, like, you know how many details are in just that, that, that specific lift i mean so i am like laser focused on on that style of lifting right now because of how challenging it is and how it related to shooting it makes me think about every little detail that goes into it and i can you know now that i've learned these things and i've gotten you know some coaching from some pretty amazing um professionals out there I can feel if I do a lift the wrong way, 
Um, you know, if I'm not driving with a certain part of my feet or, you know, if I'm not, you know, extending my legs enough. And I kind of feel like maybe the technique part of it relates to shooting as you think about the precision rifle aspect, you know, whatever style that you're shooting, if you're in the wrong position, uh, if you're, you know, your buttstock placement's not right, if your recoil management's not there, like you get to a point where if you're focusing on details, right, whether it's lifting, it's climbing, it's scuba diving, it's precision rifle, like if you're focused on the details, then when something doesn't go right, you're able to pick that up a lot faster than, you know, two weeks later, you're watching the video, you're like, oh, damn, I did this wrong. You know, like um, scuba diving, I would say, uh, you know, you're, it's not a extremely dangerous thing to get into. It can be, right? You, you got, um, you know, all kinds of stuff that can happen negatively when you're underneath the water. But if you think about diving and shooting together do they do they help each other out i mean not in terms of a skill sense but how many different checks do you have to go through and how many habits and how many how much preparation do you need before you drop into the water to you know make sure that you have a successful dive and and you don't die you know like i gotta check my gear i gotta make sure this is working i gotta make sure this is working i want to check the water what's the wind doing what's the tide doing what's the surf look like I mean, so they don't directly relate to each other, but there's a lot of aspects that you apply to diving, climbing, lifting that will all translate into just being a better performer overall. And it's the same with precision rifle shooting. Um, I really enjoy climbing. Uh, I wasn't doing it for a while. I kind of got out of it. And then one of the sniper adventure challenges, you were there and you were climbing stuff and I was like, I can't climb that. I, I don't even know what level that is, but it's not Tyler's level. Um, you know, so I started getting back into it. I got some friends here with me that really enjoy climbing. So we like to learn knots together. We like to look at different systems and now we're playing around with, you know, not just the climbing aspect of it, but being able to self belay with, you know, like a Grigri, um, you know, doing different styles of, uh, um, pulleys which when we talk about climbing and now with this military role we do a lot of urban climbing and, and, and developing systems for guys to break out of a house or a building and you know so that kind of directly relates but I think all in all you look at all of these different activities they all have habits that you want to build correctly they all have you know technical and find details that you can't miss that you don't want to miss. So I'm just going to leave it at that, man. I, I think that all of these activities require focus habits and attention to detail. Mm -hmm. And that's about as relatable as they'll get. Heck yeah. Dude, that, that's actually perfect. It, and, it, and it brings up something that I only hear you talking about in a specific way. We've always mentioned it. And it, it could be really fun to talk about. And that's your one mil bubble with recoil management, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you, you talk about recoil management and there's a lot of, I mean, you know, there people, they could free recoil, they could put their hand on the scope, they could do all sorts of things. And whether they're aware of it or not, um, you know, in the discipline that they're in or not, they may still get decent results, but it, but it, that doesn't mean that 
that they're doing what they're doing right. And if they change rifles, that doesn't mean they'll get the results that they're used to with theirs in a different set of circumstances. And so, because that's a detail that I only think of you with, I want want to talk about that. But, and, and I think it's also another important highlight that, you know, when you're teaching somebody or you're mentoring somebody or, or like, you know, you and I have sat down at a table and you've gone through really carefully to explain your thoughts, to try to get me to start to see what, you're thinking it's it's pretty unusual somebody will take the time to focus on another person versus like oh well you know here's my outline for a class and let's go yeah. through this powerpoint you know and everybody just get what you can but then we're going to go to page two get what you can get what you can and it's like doubtful that everybody's getting what they can but that's not your personality your personality is um is details but it's details that matter. And I'm focused on details that, that are the shooter's influence on the rifle. But anytime you talk about anything, you could tell that, that you have standards that you need to make sure your students get. And the standards are more important than the, that I get the impression that, that like I would rather that you would rather they perform the standards right first and, you know, worry about their group size maybe after that but not the other way around because they layer off of, of each other. I might be wrong, but, but I want you to talk about why you think that or what it is. And then why, why, why do you think that's so important? And what does that say about a shooter across the board? So the one mil bubble, um, it's kind of just a baseline that I started looking at when it comes to like the rifle recoiling. So I would say that different, I mean, every rifle, different calibers are going to recoil differently. Uh, 308 is going to have more recoil than, you know, a six millimeter. Um, you know, the weight of the rifle, you start to look at like, why are people adding so many weights to competition rifles? And I'm, I'm in the same boat. Like I have a rifle that weighs 23 pounds and I'm okay with that. If that fits the the challenge that we're set up for that day. Uh, but the weight is there to reduce recoil and reduce how much movement that rifle has. So then I started looking at, okay, like, how do we set a standard to manage recoil regardless of how heavy your rifle is so that you're showing consistency with your position, with your recoil management, and then those effects will be translated downrange. Uh, so we kind of came up with the one mil bubble. Um, or a four-minute bubble, depending on you know what uh, what rifle you're shooting, what scope, and from there you start to chop it down. You know, like uh, when I'm shooting some of the military rifles, um, you know, 0.5 to one mil is kind of that area that I'm able to keep recoil. And if I don't, then I start looking at what what can I do differently? Um, how can I fix my position? You know, aside from having a position that gives you the fundamentals, I'm looking at what can I do to manage that recoil so that my shots are consistent so that, you know, I'm staying on target after the shot. I can see my impacts. I don't need a spotter. Like I want to get away from those things. A lot of the matches, you don't even have spotters, right? You don't have people telling you where you missed. So you have to stay on target. And that's just one aspect of it, right? The other aspect is the precision and the consistency part. Um, 
if you look at like a six millimeter, like my six BR, um, you know, I can get into a position, I can take a shot and I'm not, there's no one mil bubble anymore. I am, if anything is outside a half a mil of movement, I'm concerned. I start to look at like, okay, why am I moving so much on this shot? Why is recoil driving me? What did I not do? Did I not use my non-firing hand? Did I not apply the right pressure? You know, what can I do to fix this? Uh, because there's an extremely too much movement. So it's just, uh, you know, recoil management has become a thing. And it's in, it's all, you've done a lot of testing on it as well with your um, your rifle craft target and kind of looking at like, and I think you just made a post about it today or yesterday where you're talking, you know, how to different how do different things affect your group sizes? And you got a target up there with different dots on it and different group sizes based off of what position you're in or, or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe buttstock placement. And again, it comes down to recoil. So if I take a six BR that weighs 25 pounds, I could probably free recoil that and I'm going to be okay. But if you take a 308 and it weighs 10 pounds, and you try to free recoil it, right? Well, I mean, one, you're obviously not going to stay on target, right? But two, where is that impact going to go? Because there's nothing keeping that rifle on a horizontal plane while the bullet is traveling down the barrel. So if the rifle's muzzle is lifting before the bullet exits, and I know it's a small amount of time, right? But when we think about mils and minutes, right? If the barrel, let's say, you know, just for ease of numbers, at at the muzzle, the barrel rises one inch before the bullet exits, then what's going to happen downrange? I mean, it's going to be astronomical, you know. Um, so that's kind of where the one mil bubble come from is, uh, you know, being able to manage that recoil so that shots are consistent downrange. You're limiting how much movement that rifle has while your bullets you know transitioning from chamber to exiting the muzzle like for me the big takeaway that i appreciate from that that i think is really fucking cool is that you're not saying recoil management you need to you know stand like this and press into the gun like this and you know clamp you know do do all of these things you're saying like figure out a way so that it doesn't have this effect that you're looking for. And I like that better because you're looking for an effect that validates that what you're doing is right, but what you're doing could be different, yeah. right? Like, like if you put your buttstock in your shoulder, that could be okay. And if you put it on your chest, that could be okay. And you don't have to be standing up vertically with your feet together. You know, you could be whatever, but, but the reticle tells you whether what you're doing is right. Yeah, which, 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 and I, I like that because you're not telling everybody to be your clone. You're telling everybody like if if what you're doing is successful, you won't have, you know, your reticle will come back to within a mill of your aim point after it shoots. Like like I I think that it might seem minor, but to me it seems really significant because it's saying there's a lot of ways to do it right, but you'll only know if your reticle stays. You know, or it doesn't stay, but comes back to where you yeah, were aiming. I, I would say, like, 
it would be wrong for us to expect that we could all do the exact same thing because we're not all the same, you know, like, yeah. I'm not shaped like you. You're obviously a lot taller than me. Um, you know, I'm probably five, four if I'm wearing the right shoes. Right. So you can think about how long my arms are. And some people have longer arms. Um, you know, I am not that fortunate. I am more like a T-Rex build. So for me to get into a position, I have to do things differently than other people. Um, and same with you, like you might have certain advantages and certain disadvantages, right? So when I start to think about positioning and building positions, I like to operate and I like to teach the students more off of a, we have these nine principles and I want you to start thinking about them. I want to, you know, every time I discuss something with you about your position, I'm going to bring up these principles and you may not always achieve all nine of them, right? You, you might only get six, you might only get five. So you got to ask yourself like, which five do I want to pick? You know, like let's say one of them is, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about being squared up behind the rifle and I'm not opposed to being squared up behind the rifle, but it's not always something that's feasible as you get into you know, competitions, as you get into military combat environments, you'll notice that, you know, the square range is nice and that's where you can build good habits. But then when you get into the real situations, things change, right? Positions aren't always what you want them to be. So if your body alignment isn't there, then what are you going to do to mitigate the negative effects? You know, and I talk about like how the rifle contacts your body. If you are off alignment, right? Then you have a certain portion of the butt pad that's contacting your body. And then you have a certain portion of the butt pad that's not, right? You have a positive and a negative side. And as the rifle recoils, it's going to want to favor the negative side. So how are you going to mitigate that negative effect, right? Um, so yeah, I don't like to, I like to have everybody build a baseline, but then at the same time, the more you understand each one of those principles and you understand how the rifle is reacting to certain positions, then you're able to start building positions that are minimizing negative effects that you might be forced into. Um, and that's, that's, that's my stance on it, man. That's awesome. Great. I mean, you're giving people tools for their toolkit. I like that. I like tools rather than being told like, this is how you do it. Yeah. I got a funny story. Like you'll, you'll laugh, but it, 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 this won't take long. Uh, the last match I shot, like I haven't shot much since then, but I went to the guardian match up at cameo and, and, um, I thought, okay, you know, there's a lot of shots in a short period of time. You know, there's a rock with a high point. Like I'm going to shoot off that high point, you know, just so I don't have to change positions. So I run up, I put my bag and a rifle on the, on the high point, but there's a rock behind it. And there wasn't enough space for me to get behind the rifle. So I got yeah. beside it and I'm looking sideways. Like I'm, I'm like, not, my head's like 90 degrees to the rifle. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like I didn't realize how close I was to my scope. Bang. Smack. And like blood is like, you know, when you get hit in the face, like I, I got this little scar here now and it's still pink because it, it was only a couple months ago, but holy shit, I got completely scope checked because like you know the position i just couldn't get behind the rifle and i didn't think to like back my face away um 
And then, you know, that, that hit me so hard that I just like picked everything up, moved it over to a better spot. And then I finished the stage. And, but I was so panicked about running out of time that I compromised like everything and gave myself like blood was completely pouring on my face. And it wow. was pretty funny. It was hilarious though. Like, uh, you know, the RO was like, um, he was laughing everybody. It, it was, it was really funny, but, um, yeah, sometimes you can't get in a perfect position. Yeah. And, and uh, sometimes, sometimes you can though. And sometimes you should just find a better position because <laughs> you're not thinking straight. But anyway, now, now that I know um, that, I'm hopefully not going to do it again. Um, all right. Now, you also, you talk about the principles. Um, I like that positive and negative. I, I call it equal and opposite or inputs and outputs. But I like okay. the positive and negative. Uh, uh, the, um, I, because of Riflecraft and, you know, because I'm in the weeds about the shooter's effect on the point of impact shift. And that's pretty much like for me personally, like that, that's a huge obsession. And it just kind of, so I think about a lot of things in terms of X and Y axis. And you have a really cool way of talking about the influence of bone support. And I like that it is just, it's conceptual, like, you know, and, and, the, the little Tyler in my head says like, if I've got Y axis, like up and down movement, I probably don't have good bone support. And then if, and if I'm not stable, then I probably have X axis stuff. You want to talk a little bit about the, the difference between up and down stuff that people see versus left and right things that people see. Yeah. So, um, you know, when you look at any position, whether it's, you know, in the prone or it's off of some kind of structure or tripod, you start to look at like your bone structure, your muscle relaxation, natural point of aim, right? And they each have a different effect in terms of that Y and X axis. Um, So bone support is always built from the ground up, right? You are connected to the ground. It's the most stable thing that you're contact with. So as you start to build your position, you're, you're focused on building that bone structure from the ground up right? Um, You start to look at what's controlling the rifle. You know, if I'm in a, you know, kneeling position, shooting off of a fence or off of a, you know, a low barricade or or a rock, right? Um, Obviously, my my collarbone, my upper chest area, like all this, that's connected to the rifle, but then my firing hand is also contacting the rifle, and and that has a major play in terms of, you know, how I'm influencing what the gun does. So how can I get that elbow to touch the ground, right? Whether it's, you know, placing my knee underneath my elbow and now I have connected that knee or that elbow to the ground via the knee, or maybe there's another rock there. And just by simply lifting my elbow and contacting my elbow with that rock, I've created that stability because I've figured out how to get that elbow to touch the ground. Um, So when you think about bone support, right, and being built from the ground up, well, the ground is underneath of you. So any failure in bone structure is going to result in up and down movement where you're trying to force your body to hold yourself up instead of building that structure, that support system to hold you up. Right. Um, So anytime I'm teaching a class, I start talking and I'm discussing bone structure and I'm like, okay, if you're seeing, you know, massive amounts of vertical wobble, right. Up, down, up, down, up, down. um, You're probably, not achieving the bone support that you need, 
right? And sometimes you can't connect that elbow to anything. You get into a standing position, right? How, how do you connect the elbow to the ground if you're in a standing, right? There's nothing there for you, you know, especially off of a tripod or something like that. So then, you know, look at alternative methods. You know, can you use a bag? Can I throw my backpack across my body and have something there to support that elbow? Um, are my knees locked out? You know, am I, you know, it sounds, I tell students all the time, it sounds gay, but are you arching your back, right? And what I'm doing with arching my back is I'm trying to take out muscular tension and using more of like a spinal lock to make that connection between my upper and lower body to kind of create that rigid bone structure. Um, so in a, you know, layman's terms, if you're failing at bone structure, you're failing at bone support, then you're going to see vertical movement, right? And that's, that's muscular tension trying to keep you in the same position. Whereas you look at natural point of aim is controlling that x-axis, that left and right. Um, anytime you, you know, connect with your rifle and you, you aim down range, you've got a natural point of aim. I don't care what your position is. I don't care what your body alignment is. Once you have that contact, there is a natural aiming spot. And a lot of us, and myself is guilty just as much as the next guy, where if I get forced into a position that I don't take the time to settle down and see where does that rifle want to go. And it takes just a split second in the beginning. You set your rifle down, you place it up in the, in the collarbone area or the shoulder, whatever that position gives you, right? And just relax where does the rifle tend to want to go? And there's a lot of videos of people using the trigger cam and stuff like that, where they got some wobble happening in the reticle. And I can mm -hmm. instantly look at that, that reticle, that video and tell where the rifle's natural point of aim is just because you can see as the reticle moves, there's one side that's acting more dominant than the other. And that's telling me that that, natural point of aim is probably off to the right or off to the left. And then that shooter should be moving their body, but they're not, right? So if you have that bone structure, but you still have that horizontal wobble, it's because you're fighting the natural aiming spot of the rifle. And that's just the horizontal movement. Um, you know, and I try to break it down as simple as possible so people can understand these things. And then, again, like, you know all too well, Chris, the more you understand and the more you can adapt and work on these small skills, being able to improve, right? But if you don't understand it, then you're just going to keep doing the same old shit or you're going to keep asking yourself, like, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why I missed that shot. You know, like, my gun's off. My, my muzzle velocity must have increased. I hear that one all the time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's a big one at the competitions, bro. My muzzle velocity must have increased. It must have, right? Mm -hmm. So... In reality, you just didn't have uh, you didn't have good recoil management. The muzzle came off the target, and you shot over it because you didn't manage the gun. So, you know, I don't like I don't like excuses that can't be one hundred percent proven. And I feel like the barrel speeding up, or I shot my barrel out. I feel like those are not not acceptable answers. You know, although I like something that I have seen happen to you is the scope fell off the rifle the, or who or was it yours or rays where the the scope the actual rail screws backed out but under the mount right what, whose rifle was that 
like that was mine. You're like, yeah. oh, something's wrong with my zero. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> and then the freaking scope fell off. So, like, but we can prove that one. That one actually. Oh yeah. Happened. So. Yeah, and I've actually heard of that happening more than once because because with the screws, that, that now I try to look for actions with built-in rails because yeah. you know you put those in and then you put a scope mount over it. You have no freaking idea if that rail is going to stay on there or not. Oh yeah, purple. And, uh, That's the only way. Oh man, like the heating and cooling, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, here, here in Colorado, it heats up, it cools off a lot. You know, right now it's like 27 degrees and in my house, it's, you know, in the sixties or whatever. And then in my truck, it'll probably be warmer driving to the range. And, you know, if you go back and forth, back and forth, um, I had a, I had a scope, you know, I put it in the rifle and when I got to the range, it was like, wrote it, 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 you know, just spun in the rings. And I thought, how did, you know, it must've just been heating and cooling, yeah. uh, you know, o- over months, but it just, you know, at some point it just, you know, it, you, you see those weird things when, when you don't check the torques and all that stuff all that often. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty funny. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that. I don't know. And I, and I do usually default back to the shooter unless something happens with the equipment. Um, but equipment's pretty darn good. Uh, but checking checking torques and doing all that stuff in advance is is pretty funny. I, yeah, I think um, you know I'm, I'm just you know because because I don't you know you you have a school and you've been your school has been active for ten years or something and um, and you teach a lot of different communities and people keep coming back to you and you know I feel like people wouldn't keep coming back if they didn't gain something. And, yeah. and I think what they're, what they're gaining is a lot of one-on-one attention and like that personality, the relationship that you develop with the students and working with them one-on-one. And, uh, and I think that, 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 that's kind of cool. Um, I'm going to jump away from like the fundamental stuff, even though like you're super fundamentally based. And I just like that your metrics are tangible and measurable and it's not telling the shooter what to do, but what to see that validates that what you're doing is right. I, I think that resonates really well because um, it allows people experimentation. Yeah. Um, and, and that experimentation is, is really freaking awesome. So you have, a, so not only do you have a shooting school and, and shoot, you know, professional and, and um, civilian, you know, just for fun, fun shooters, but, but you have a, you have a team, max ordinate team. And like, in the last few years I've probably seen your team more than I've seen you. And you know, the culture of matches is different depending on the match and it's different depending on the location and the intensity level is higher and lower. And one thing I could say about team max ordinate, I don't know. I'm going to ask you like how, first, how'd you pick those guys and what do you do to cultivate it? And whether they were like that before they came to the team or not, but there aren't two individuals. Well, maybe there's a couple more like Boyd Linder in Utah is always positive and always happy, but Russ and Vanessa are the happiest, nicest, outgoing, friendliest, like there to have fun, like not they're working on something and they have goals, but it's not win at all costs. And it's not, you know, if you beat me, I don't like you. Like it is just genuine. They resonate genuine, positive enthusiasm to shooting and 
because you know they they they're both on your team, I have to attribute that to something. Like, what do you do to cultivate a good team? Like, I, I think there's that's got to be a good skill and got to be something to share because whatever they do makes me want to shoot with them. Yeah, uh, like, it makes me want to join Max Ordnance team because I'm like I want to be around those guys more. So I I wanted to start a team because. I mean, I was always teaching classes. I would go to matches, um, but I wanted, I wanted to develop a group of people that were like-minded, and we spent time together, learning from each other, me helping them, and them helping me. It's not a, it's not a one-way street. It's, it's a, it's definitely a two-way street. You know, in, in, in terms of, uh, just better understanding of, of, of how people learn and you know, being able to articulate something to Vanessa and then articulate something to Russ. Um, so those were the first two members. And I wanted to have, you know, one person, uh, one male and one female. Uh, when I, you know, when I first met Russ, if, if none of you guys know Russ, if you ever, you know, if you ever see him in a match or something like that, you know, when I first met him, it was at like a local San Diego match. And, uh, he's just got this look on his, you know, he's just got this look to him when you don't know him. He's just got this look like, you know, he looks like he at, at the time, I don't know how good of a shooter he was. He was maybe average or slightly below average. Um, you know, but he just had this look about him where I was like, oh, I don't want to talk to that fucking guy. You know, like, uh, he just doesn't look like, you know, I, I, I just, I couldn't put my finger on it. He just, not like he rubbed me the wrong way. He just, he had this look about him and I wasn't, I wasn't giving him any thought at, at first. And then like, as I got to know him better, I'm like, he's actually really, he's a really nice guy. He, he wants to do better. He has the the drive he has, you know, he's not afraid to put the effort in He dry fires. He goes to, you know, our training facility at least once a week to practice. Like the dedication is there. Um, you know, so when I first got to know him, you know, I, I said, Hey, I'd like, I'd like you to, to shoot with me more often. I'd like to be on my team. I'd like you to come and, and, and train in every course that you want to be part of. And, and then I wanted to pick a female, but I wanted to pick a female who had those same attributes where she was willing to put the time in. She wasn't, you know, she, she didn't have 50,000 followers and she's just shooting because she wants to be, you know, Insta famous. But she wants to get better. She's dedicated to actually learning stuff and, and representing what we're all about um, at that level. So found Vanessa. Uh, she was actually just playing around with rifles. And then, you know, she signed up for one of our courses. We got to know her a little bit. And then it was like, hey, do you want to uh, be part of this experiment where we put together a team and we always shoot together? And, and that's kind of how it started. As far as picking the rest of the team, we have Adrian and we have Nick. We haven't added any new people since then. Um, but, you know, I wanted I wanted the team to decide. So I let Vanessa and Russ pick the people who would be added next. And I'll probably do that again. If we expand in the future, I will let the team pick who they want the next members to be. I think one thing is, you know, the initial people are the key to success here. 
you know, because you, you got to look for people who want it, right? They got to be wanting what you're offering. Uh, but then going forward, you got to have a team that can have cohesion. You know, everybody's got to get along. We all got to have the same goals. We can toss ideas to each other. We can challenge each other. Um, you know, we started coming up with different trophies. Uh, we have a winner's trophy. You know, I think last year it was, uh, it was, what was it? It was like a ring, a champion ring on like a chain. So, you know, out of the team, if, if we're at a match together, you know, whoever the best shooter out of the team is, get that ring. But then whoever the worst shooter is, that's the real trophy. Um, you know, I don't know how PG-13 we are on this podcast, but the trophy is pretty phenomenal in terms of uh, you don't want it. So you're always trying to not be the worst shooter, right? And you're not, it's not like you're dogging on each other. You know, you're not trying to like make the other person do worse. You're just trying to be better, right? You're still helping each other out. You're still sharing gear. We're still doing all of these things. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, you're trying to not be last place in the team. And it's definitely fostered a, a environment of focusing on, you know, what helping others, helping each other, but being the best version of yourself. And uh, yeah, the team, the team has been very successful, um, you know, from local matches to national level matches. I think, I think the guys and, and the lady do very well. And we would have discussions after, you know, a one day match or even a two day match. We'll sit down, we'll all have dinner together and we'll talk about like, okay, you know, what went well, what did you do? Well, what are you proud of today? And then, you know, if it's a two day match or even if it's a one day match, what can you do better the next time? Like, how are you going to fix it? Um, you know, and we would even do that after individual stages. We have a stage that goes horribly wrong and everybody has stages like that. Um, what happened and how do we prevent it from messing with you the rest of the day? You know, and, um, it's just, you know, having a team where you guys are focused on just being better is is a really awesome environment to be around. You know, the pressure of trying to win is not there. It's more of like, I just, I need to be the best version of myself. And it's easy, it's easy to do that when you have a, a good group of people around you. So it, it's been fun. And, and you guys, do you train? Do you have like a, a dedicated training day or 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 do you guys schedule out team training? Um, really about once a month, the team will get together. We'll go out to the training facility and, you know, it could be just a, a fundamentals day where we're working on, you know, a lot of hundred yard drills, shooting on paper, working on positional stuff, and then maybe do some long distance working on wins. Um, we always try to do, you know, a few win problems where instead of laying down on the long range and, and gathering data, it, you know, we're testing your ability to get a first round hit. Like, all right, you make a win call, you make a win call. Okay, let's shoot whatever it is that you thought it was. Okay, where did you go wrong or where did you go right? Like, what did you do? What did you see that led you to that decision? Um, so we'll share information internally for some of the training days. And then sometimes the training days are just built on hey, we got Steel Sparry coming up. And we all know that Steel Sparry is completely different than any other match, right? You're going to be challenged. You're going to be pushed. 
Um, so some of the steel safari matches, uh, the training sessions, um, they're a little more involved because now, you know, Russ has to go out and hide three targets and I got to go out and hide three targets and then we'll pick different positions along the mountaintop. And me and Russ are the only ones who know where the targets are. Everybody else in the team is going to have to legitimately find them. Um, you know, so we're trying to push each other to be better. I do remember one of the steel spire practices that we had. Um, I picked a position and I intentionally set it up to see how they would build their position. You know, one of the big things that I started pushing to the team was for that match specifically, but just shooting in general, right? Prone is where you want to be. Like we, none of us can deny that, you know, shooting prone is a desirable position over almost everything else. Right. So I set up a position where here's a spot, you know, how many of the team members are going to just bust out their tripod and set the rifle up and take the shot, right? But if they just look two feet to the left, there's a prone position there. And it was kind of to help them get into the mindset of like fight for prone, fight for prone. Um, so that was a good session there. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, uh, we try to do it once a month and, you know, it's not scheduled out in advance because everybody's schedules are a little bit different. Um, sometimes the training practices don't happen and we'll just meet up at a match and we'll have certain things that we focus on, um, you know, before team safari, you know, uh, Nick and Vanessa, they are forced to do, you know, uh, gas gun shoot. So we'll go to a lo local match with gas guns and, you know, I'll tell them, Hey, uh, for this match, I want you to set your magnification to this. And, you know, the, so to put their magnification, let's say 12 power. And uh, you're not allowed to dial. The whole day, you are only holding. And, you know, try to increase their, their reticle familiarization. Try to increase their speed to find engaged targets. You know, all these things that would help them be a good carbine shooter for Team Safari. So we'll have, you know, we'll have instances like that. But uh, once a month. That's awesome. I love that idea of going to a match with a training purpose instead of like, I'm just going to the match to do what, you know, whatever, like, man, if, especially local matches. Why not? Like, what do you got to lose? Like really what you have to lose is not experimenting at those and, no. and, and trying to do the same damn thing over and over again. Shit. I've, I've even done that at national matches. Like I went to a hundred match in Utah and I was like, I'm going to shoot a hundred percent off the tripod because I need to prove that I can. Yeah. And, you know, I finished, you know, like Rusty Olmer was the RO. He's like, why didn't you just shoot prone? I was like, I can't. You know, and another <laughs> one was like, why, why didn't you shoot prone? Like, nah, I can't, can't. There's a rock here. Why don't you put your bag on the rock? Nope. Yeah. Not going to do it. Like, and, uh, but, but I, I love that, man. The, the gas gun stuff, I think, is really cool. I like gas gunning. So, uh, I like that. You know, the, the, using the, the local matches as tune-ups and then the dialogue between, you know, that, like that dialogue is really important. So developing, like how are you going to communicate wind and location and impacts effectively is, uh, are they, are they going to do Burris? The Burris team I challenge? I don't know if, uh, if they're going to do Burris. I, I don't think I'll be here for it. Um, and I'm normally the only one that likes to do things that uh, will elevate your heart rate beyond the uh, normal levels. So, uh, Vanessa did it with me one year and that was, that was her first year of shooting. That was her first national level match was to shoot 
with <laughs> me in the Burris team challenge. And it's kind of like you, you stated earlier, like, you know, for some of these team matches, I enjoy being partnered with somebody who is new or isn't that good of a shooter. Like, you know, on one end of it, I feel like they're going to get better by working with me and seeing how I think and, and, you know, seeing how I shoot, listening to the way my corrections are, things like that. Um, you know, but then on the other side of that, I feel like it's a challenge for me to go with a shooter who isn't up to the same skill level and help bring them along so that we're working better together and, and doing all that. So Vanessa, you know, she started, she trained with me in February at one of my training courses. And then we brought her onto the team in March. And then June 2020, we are at the Burris Team Challenge together. And uh, she's the carbine shooter. So working with her and, you know, trying to keep my emotions in check because I have such high standards and she's completely new to any of this, right? Mm -hmm. So we're on one of the Burris challenge, uh, one of the Burris field stages. And you know where, you know, um, the bend in the road is to come onto the ranch. You always have that stage right there where your first position is go up the, up the hillside and you shoot from mm -hmm. the top. Yeah. 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 So we run up there and we get to the spot and we set down, find the targets. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if we can shoot prone there. So I'm like, Hey, you know, get up on this tripod. I set it up for her. She gets up in it. I'm like, okay, here's your first target. I give her the range, tell her what to hold, you know, start talking wind. So she gets her hits and I'm like, all right, pack up, pack up, pack up, pack up everything right now. Be ready to leave. So I get down and I start taking my shots. And as soon as my last shot is fired uh, and I clear my rifle out, I'm like, Vanessa, get going, you know, take off. I'll catch up. So I grab my scorecard from the RO and I start running down the hillside and I'm moving down the road, you know, across the field, down the road to get to the next shooting. I get to the next shooting position and there's no Vanessa. I'm like, has anybody seen my partner? Like I cannot, I cannot carry on without her. And she has the binos. She has the range finding device with her. Well, she ended <laughs> up running the opposite direction. She's running. Oh, no. She's running towards the ranch and not oh, towards, no. yeah. So <laughs> I'm like oh, running, no. I, I dropped my gear at the position and now I'm running around. Like, where did Vanessa go? Well, Jimmy ends up finding her about 800 meters towards the ranch. She's wandering around trying to find the position. So then he finds her, he yells for her to come here. So she's now coming towards me. So I run towards her. I grab the binos, run back to the firing position, and I'm starting to fuck range targets. Like that was our, our first day experience. Um, <laughs> and I'll never let her live it down, but she didn't know. She didn't know where right. to go. And, you know, that was a failure on my part because I do know where to go. I have been there before and I'm supposed to be leading this team. And I told her just to go, you know. <laughs> And she didn't know where to go. So, you know, I learned a lot from that first day, uh, but we had a good time. And, you know, as far as Russ and Nick, I don't know if they'll ever do the Burris team challenge, uh, but I think they like the steel safari and the team safari because it's a little, little less elevated heart rate, you know, not as much uh, go, go, go. So. Man, it's just so fun. It's so rewarding to have like, 
those different experiences. I mean, you're right. You th- if you think about it, like Team Safari and Burris aren't that much different, but but yet they're like also completely different just because the stressors. Yeah. You know, and just by changing how you time a stage changes the whole character, you know, because the assault stages are pretty similar. Targets are pretty similar. Um, but saying like, you know, you, this is, you know, you, you, you got an hour to try to finish all this stuff. And then the other one yeah. is, you know, you have, you know, four minutes or six minutes and, and uh, that makes them feel completely different and rewarding in a different way. I, I think, I think that's, that's pretty spectacular. And it, and it has a, a element of like practical, real, you know, this is more realistic of how you would be able to, you know, solve some of these problems. Yeah. I love absolutely. that, man. I, I love it. And you see teams out there, everybody has fun. That's another thing is that those matches, like you pretty much don't see a lot of people. I mean, you see people like getting in arguments a little bit, uh, you know, in, in, in the, in, in, inner team arguments sometimes like it's by the bush what bush you know but <laughs> yeah. um but people are generally like i was talking to adam at jp and and you know he he was talking about how much he loves like the field match sniper competition just because the atmosphere of all the teams are all happy and supportive of each other it doesn't yeah. feel like you know just i don't know it has a better vibe Pretty cool. i think it i think it's because you you don't get the you don't get to hang out with each other. You're not standing there watching somebody other, somebody else shoot. Like the feeling of this is all on you. Like if you made a mistake, it's your fault. You know, you, you don't have other people's wind calls to use. You don't, you can't, you can't share gear because there's nobody with you. So at the end of the mm-hmm. day, like everybody's happy because they're all having the same experiences and it doesn't feel, I mean, you are competing against each other but it doesn't feel like the same type of pressure because you're all operating independently. And, you know, at the end of the day, like you can come back and you're like, Oh man, I blew this stage. Oh my God. I can't believe I zeroed this stage. And then, you know, somebody else would be like, Holy shit. I zeroed that stage too. You know, like, uh, or the wind just picked up. Like, I think it's just a different atmosphere because of the challenge that it poses to you, you know? Um, and and I just like I, I always say the same thing, but like, you know, picture. I mean, you've been there, so you, you know. Um, like, think about like an assault stage, like at Steel Safari, and like, you know, there might be a lineup, so you shoot it. But the teams that have shot it usually stick around and they're cheering on the other teams, like, "Come on, go, go, go faster!" You know, and everybody's kind of like lingering afterwards to cheer on the other teams, no matter where they are in position you know the first place or second or third place they're cheering for teams that might be ahead of them and like everybody's laughing and stuff and then when it's all done a lot of times they hang out and they're like let's do it again but try to go faster and yeah. and and you don't you don't see that a lot at, at some of these other matches like hey can we go back and shoot stage eight again and see if we can do it you know twice as fast or yeah. you know that that atmosphere you don't see a lot of matches but it, but at cd it's kind of like it's like the heart of shooting, you know, people just kind of celebrating that they love shooting and that it was hard for them. And, and, and usually what you hear is, you know, man, I did so much better than last year. And man, I did yeah. so much better than last year. And then some of these people, you're like, how long have you been coming now? Like, 20 years. Like, <laughs> well, wow. Like that, that's pretty cool to be motivated and be like, man, I, you know, every year I find three or four more targets. Like 
that's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. cool as shit, you know? Um, man, that's freaking badass. I got a huge list of things that, that I want to. So, um, Max Ordnance Academy. I want to make sure that, that you have that. I know you guys, I don't, I'm not a member of the Patreon, so I don't know exactly what's happening over there, but I know you have it. I, I want to make sure people know that like you have a, you have a school that you take classes from. Yep. You have a, you have a, your own range that you can run and do things on, which is pretty fucking awesome. And then you've got media that you're kind of always rolling out. I like that, that you're trying new things and exploring, but not, you know, selling out, like you're sticking to your principles and doing things, doing things that work. And then like, maybe do you, do you have any plans to compete this year at all? Uh, I, cause like, I know your schedule has been so screwy for that kind of stuff. Like, do you have things that you still have on your list, your to-do list that, that are like super exciting for you? I'd say for this year, the the only matches that I have penciled in that I plan on making is uh, Steel Safari, the uh, Sniper Venture Challenge, and then Team Safari. So, I mean, I just love the Steel Safari, the, the match, the atmosphere, the challenge, everything about it. Um, you know, so I put that one on the schedule for this year. Uh, Sniper Venture Challenge, I'm still chasing that uh, – still chasing that victory it keeps evading me every year so uh, every year I try to adjust my preparation a little bit to be better than you know we did last year um you know and when I say that you know like last year we placed third um we finished the sniper adventure challenge um it was our first time first time finishing the actual sack I think it was the first time in a long time that anybody's finished the sack um you know, so we finished it last year. And when I say like be better than the year before, um, I don't want people to misunderstand. I'm not talking about our placement because last year we were third. The year before we were second. Um, so when you look at just the numbers, you, you probably say like, oh, you guys did worse. No, like last year we did better. Um, things went better for us last year. Our movements were better. Our land navigation was better. Everything was better. And it just so happened that there were other teams better than us. Um, but if we measure against ourselves, you know, we were better last year than we were the year before. So we're hoping to continue that this year. And, uh, you know, you've gone and won that match, Chris, and you know, and, and I think that we, I don't know what your preparation is for Sniper Adventure Challenge. I have no idea. But I feel like you're one of those guys who, you know, you have sort of a a baseline, you know, physical standard that you'll be in. You might go out and hike and hump or, or you know, prepare your body a certain way. But I almost feel like you enjoy the mental, like, how far can I push this before I break type aspect. And you've done some other challenges that are specifically geared towards, you know, challenging just the mental part of, you know, accomplishing a certain task, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, like, I know that the mental side is a huge, huge part of it. Like, I would say, you know, if you're not mentally in it for the Sniper Adventure Challenge, then, you know, you're going to fail because, 
regardless of how well you are physically conditioned or, you know, whatever you've done to prepare, you know, that's all going to fade. You're going to get tired. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to be hungry. You're, you're, the pack is going to feel like it weighs uh, twice as much as it did when you started, you know, so what mental aspect is going to keep you going? Um, you know, but for me, like all the other stuff is going to help me, you know, it's in terms of like learning how to take care of my feet, learning, uh, you know, different aspects that will make me better in terms of land navigation. Um, you know, the physical preparedness of, of, you know, being able to keep going and pushing and pushing, uh, learning about my diet, what foods I should take, you know, things like that, that all helps me, uh, be better prepared. And so when the mental aspect does come, I know that I can handle everything together. Um, and then uh, the team safari, you know, I did it uh, in 2021. I did it with one of the team max ordinate members, uh, Nick Diaz. And it was my first year doing it with, with somebody who wasn't a new shooter. And, you know, we did really well. Um, we came in second place. Uh, we kind of rag on each other because, you know, one of the, one of the assault stages, you had to shoot these cardboard targets. And if there was more rounds in the target than you were allowed, it was, you know, minus X amount. And, uh, you know, we ended up taking second place by 10 points. And that's not a lot in those matches. That's like a, that's like a hair, right? Right. And, uh, you know, so I'd be like, well, if you wouldn't have shot that target extra, we'd have won. And then he'll come back and be like, well, if you would have hit an extra field stage target, we'd have won. I'm like, you got me there. So uh, yeah. we have a good little dynamic inside the team. Um, so he wants to do it again and see if we can pull out the victory. And I'm all about it. So I'll be doing that this year with him. And uh, we'll see how it goes, man. So <laughs> That's freaking awesome. I think um... – We'd, we'd have to consult Zach, but I, because we weren't at the team safari this year, but, but, uh, but my friend Dave and I went to the Burris together and I'm pretty sure we got second place by 10 points or so. It was, it was one shot. So we, we went through the whole match. Like where, where did we have one? It was, it, we boiled it down to, it was either one shot somewhere yeah. that would have done it or, it was like 26 seconds. Had we been 26 seconds faster on any other stage, you know, we'd have got those points and had we got one more shot. And really there's a lot of ways that it could have come down to, but it's funny to think about that stuff of, of like, holy shit, a lot of things could have gone differently and it would have flip flop, you know, second yeah. to first, you know, I, I have two second place. I've been to Burris twice and I, and I have two second place. So <clears throat> that is a big goal. Like, I mean, a, a, a long-term, like, I don't care how long it takes is to have a first in all of the CD matches, but, but, uh, Burris would, you know, and, and, and team safari, um, yeah, I've got seconds and, you know, he writes, it's like, what can you do? Like, just gotta wait, wait another year. <laughs> no, wait another year. Yeah. You know, I don't, I mean, we could, we could talk for hours about, preparing for stack like that could be a i mean literally 50 hours of preparing you know and different ideas to sack and i, I think that um you know that it it's special in that it represents the kind of thing that i like and, and that i've liked for 30 years um which is you know being functional capable anywhere anytime you know in any yeah. environment 
And and so the fact that it's always out here doesn't matter because if it was in Hawaii or if it was in Antarctica, like it's the same thing. Like I feel like one of my personal goals is, you know, you could put me anywhere and I will be just as functional like that, yeah. that, that, you know, it's just same with shooting. Like I don't, I don't want to be the best at one style and mediocre at all of them. There are other ones I want to be, I would rather be 80 or 90% across the board than a hundred at one and 50 at the rest. And so, so like my life, one of my life missions is, you know, I could, you could put me anywhere and I'll be able to blend in and I'll be able to function at a high level. And, and that means, you know, mentally and physically. So, um, so it's not, it's also not fair for me to say like, Oh, just do, you know, do what I do or you for you to say like, do what you do. Cause a lot of people, can't even wrap their head around what it, what, it, what that means. Like, you know, if, if, um, until you experience it and then you decide if you want it, like I took a big, I took a newer shooter who now is exclusively PRS shooter to team safari. And he just, it just did not like field shooting was not something that resonated with him. So he, he's never mentioned or talked about, you know, and avoids, you know, with all, you know, whatever, because, you know, decided like, okay, this is the bar he wants to measure himself on. And that's not me. So, uh, you know, I get it. Like people, people attach themselves to one thing, but, but, but I, I do feel like, you know, you and I can come, we, we can see eye to eye in, in that, you know, having well-rounded skill sets is more of a bigger life goal. And it's not just having bigger, bigger skill sets. It's, it's like, man, I, I, I don't want to be a liability anywhere. And so like, it's funny because you go to sniper adventure challenge and you got guys from seal team six and Delta force. And, you know, you, you know, you name it and, and, and you got professional hunting guides and you've got, you know, athletes that are coming in that aren't really big shooters. And then, you know, you got, you got all of these people that in their areas are pretty extreme, but yet they're all fighting because they all value having diverse skill sets. And, and sometimes the mix works better one way or the other. And that, yeah. that's why I think like multiple years in a row, you get a good idea of skill set across the board. Like, you know, cause, cause we, yeah, we got second place, third, place, first place. It's like always, but you're right. It doesn't mean, you know, third doesn't mean you didn't try as hard as second. Or first doesn't mean you did better than you did if you got third or, you know, it, it's all about like, what were the combination of, cause you have no idea what's coming. So, you say, well, last year they had us tie knots and rappel and do this rope bridge stuff. Well, guess what? This year you're not going to tie knots and you're not going to rock climb and you're not, you're going to do something totally unexpected. So if you, if you train for last year, you're going to have a hard time. But if, if, so how do you train for the unknown? We can just fucking diversify, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and try to become a jack of all trades. And then when push comes to shove, like you have to have the mindset of like, even if I don't know how to do this, like I'm going to try to problem solve. And I think that's the common mental framework because, because you see guys at different fitness levels, but the mindset is, you know, whatever it is, like we need to try to solve this problem. You know? Yeah. And occasionally you say, no, we're going to skip this. Like the barrel roll fucking a mile. <laughs> like, like, okay. I know that that's not something that's worth doing, but, but for the most part you say, fuck, we got to figure this thing out. And, you know, we've been awake for two days we haven't eaten very much and my brain's not working right. So let's talk out loud and try yeah. to solve this problem, you know? And then of course Zach has some crazy math formula or code to break. And you're like, I think 
normally I'd be able to figure this out, but I can't figure it out right now. Or, you know, you got to swim out in this lake and shoot and fuck, I didn't load my magazine. I got to go back and get ammo for it, you know? And, and, uh, yeah, I, I love that. I, I think, um, you know, I value the, that type of stuff above just about anything else in life. I think that that's really cool. And, it, you know, but, you know, it takes a special kind of person to show up, show up to those, those kind of things. Um, yeah. So one of the guys that I work with here, uh, his name is Matt. He, uh, you know, we talk, he was, a um, army, I believe he was a green beret. And, um, you know, we talk, we talk rifle shooting all the time and, uh, he's pretty, you know, he's very interested in, in competition stuff, but you know, like, you know, he's got a ranch that he shoots at when he goes home and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I got hooked up with a tripod and, you know, you know, trying to uh, introduce him to newer things that he might not have been exposed to. Um, you know, but he, he came over probably a month ago or maybe a few weeks ago. He's like, hey, I was listening to, uh, you know, um, Chris Wade. Do you know Chris Wade? I'm like, yeah, I know, I know Chris. And he's like, uh, yeah, he mentioned you. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, we've shot many matches together. And, uh you know, he's like, I think I want to do the uh, Sniper Venture Challenge. I'm going to start prepping for it. And I'm like, hell yeah, man. Like, that's awesome. And I wish that I could tell you what to expect. I mean, but my words will far will fall far short of what will actually transpire. <laughs> you know, like, we yeah. can talk about it all day. But when it comes down to it, those 48 hours are undescribable. And... You know, right. it's just going to take everything you got and then a little bit more. So I'm excited yeah. for him to want to do it this year, though. It's going to be oh, cool. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. That'd be badass. Well, when, when you guys come out, you know, because I'm, I'm really close. I mean, Fred only lives 30 minutes from me, so we'll, we'll have to do some stuff. And, and if, yeah. if nothing else, like maybe go rock climbing. And because um, that time of year, the climbing around here is really good. Yeah. And if, if you come out a couple of days in advance and acclimate a little bit, <clears throat> that that would be like... I mean, I, I kind of think of that acclimation in three. So, like, you're here for more than three days, but less than three weeks, like, there's not much benefit. But but more than three days is good, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And then after three weeks, you, know, you start to see a little bit of uh, stuff. But but um, so plan just plan on coming out for more than three days. And, yeah, and uh, we'll we'll go we'll go rock climbing and stuff like that. I'm gonna because I, I have to start like my kid roundup in about twenty. 20 minutes or something like that. I don't, I want to get too deep into too many topics, except that, that I always try to like, not uh, like get people to share. Like, like if, if there's, if there's two things that you want, like your team to practice all the time or two things that um, two or three things that like, you really, you really want them to pay attention to that, that probably aren't as sexy as all like, cause, cause I get, I mean, I'm sure you get more than I do, but but I get a lot of messages on Facebook, a lot of messages on Instagram, emails, all sorts of shit. Like you were talking about this, but I was listening to so-and-so and they said this and it's like, well, awesome. Then ask them, like, I'm not, I'm not going to speak for them. But, but then it's like, well, when I have somebody here, like if, if, if you were going to encourage like a newer shooter to back up a little bit, and and think about a couple key principles in their training and not just get attracted by the flashy sexiness like what what are just like what what's some advice to newer shooters that or or, or even not newer shooters that like 
you know, if you fall back onto these principles in your training, like you're going to be better for it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So I would say, uh, one of them, you know, probably right off the top of my head would, you know, especially in the capacity that we're, that we're shooting, that we're talking about right now, I would say that, uh, all the fundamentals are, are important, right? I'm not saying to discount any one of those, but I would say that, uh, you know, I'm really big on recoil management, seeing your own impacts, seeing your own misses, you know, um, so that you can measure and make those corrections. Uh, so, so that would probably be one of those is, uh, you know, finding what works best for you to manage your recoil and stay inside that bubble that we're talking about. Um, the other one, um, can we call habits a, uh, a principle? Sure. I mean, Heck yeah. I would say you can call anything a principle. I would say that your habits, you know, if they are shitty habits, then they are going to produce shitty results. And if you have good habits, then you're going to reap the reap the benefits of the habits that you've sustained and that you've built. And so many times I see shooters that they just want to go fast and it's like you need to just slow down, like stop worrying about the time when the timer goes off. You know, when you're training, focus on doing the same thing, the same way every single time, whether it's your mag change, whether it's how you rack the bolt, whether it's when you dial, you know, all of these little things, when are you doing them, build these habits so that when it does come time to take that shot or to run that shooting stage or whatever it is that you're doing, you've built a habit where your body just does, right? And you, you can use your brain power to focus on things that matter, like, well, what's the wind doing right now? What's the mirage doing, right? You, you can only focus on one thing at a time. So if you're having to focus on getting in position and why is my why is my wobble zone so fucking massive? Like if you have to focus on all of these things, then you're not picking up that the mirage has changed and it's now going left to right instead of right to left. You know, so I would say that building good habits is probably, you know, especially as a new shooter, you hear so many new shooters talk about like, well, I've got bad habits. Like I have to change this. Well, we, you should have started the right way then. Like let's fix your habits now. And then going forward, that's what we're going to focus on. Right. It's less about time. It's more about habits and the faster, more efficient you get with those habits, the faster you're going to be. Right. I, I, um, I see a lot where people are like, how do I get faster? I'm like, well, you get faster by, you know, a few different methods. One, you know, how quickly can you acquire the target? How, you know, how efficient are you at getting into position? And I see this one a lot where, you know, a person will set their rifle down, they'll get in position, they'll look for the target, and then they got to switch their legs because they got the wrong knee up or they're not in the position that they want to be in. So how much time was wasted because you didn't build the position right off the bat the right way? You know, and that all comes down to your habits, right? Building good habits. So I would say um, recoil management and uh, and habits are probably two very important principles I would say a new shooter should, should focus on. Man, that's awesome. Well, sweet. I, thank you so much. I, I appreciate the time and know, you know, it's early. And um, man, I, I, I mean, literally, I feel like we could probably talk for 48 hours. 
probably probably and never and never circle back on the same thing but 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 i do um i do really value everything everything you have to say and hopefully um you know i imagine that you know our listeners are probably similar but hopefully there's some folks that can now come and look seek to you for instruction you know i think it's hard to find people that teach and do a good job teaching and know what they're doing but but i would i would say that like out of a, a hand less than a handful of people um, if people are out West, I would say just go to Max Ordman, <laughs> you know, like he, he's, he, he's the, you know, he's, if you know, if I, if, yeah, if a friend or a family member was like, I want to take a class, I wouldn't even hesitate to, to, to send them to you because I would send myself, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's, so I think that's cool. And, um, in your website, you want to tell them, uh, Matt, yeah, you know, tell them how to find you, reach you, and and uh, all that yes. stuff. You can uh, check us out online. Our website is maxornet.com. Um, social media, Facebook, Instagram, all of those good places. Um, at maxornet, it's the same for every single social media platform. Uh, YouTube, we got some videos up there. Um, you know, and it. I, I appreciate the, the, the time and the shout out, Chris. Uh, I would say um, one of my final thoughts is, um, you know, we have our, our thought process and our way of, of doing things and articulating. And we have, you know, things that we focus on. We have videos that we put up, um, you know, and we're, we're going to be different from other people. It doesn't mean that, you know, other people are wrong. Um, I like, you know, for example, I like a lot of the stuff that you have been putting out there, Chris, where you're focusing on a lot of the details that I really like, you know, a, a lot of the statistical stuff where um, you are gathering data to prove a a point or show a way or show an effect or a result of doing something. And, uh, you know, so that's really awesome. I would say that uh, as any rifle shooter out there, it's important to basically diversify, right? Um, you know, look at, you know, this video, look at this person's training, look at what this person's saying, but ultimately in the end, you need to be able to take whatever it is that you're absorbing from, you know, those individuals and improve them, right? Um, it's not enough just to take people's word for it. You have to go out and make sure that, you know, what it, what knowledge it is that you think you're gaining that you can actually prove and understand and, and then it actually does do what you think it's going to do. Otherwise, you're, you're just like the rest of them where you are um, just regurgitating shit that somebody else told you and you have no method behind it to, to prove it out or to say that it works. And I would say, Chris, you're one of the few people who are out there like, you know, you do something and here's the data behind it. And this is why this is, you know, or, you know, I've, I've even seen posts where you've thrown something up and you're like, this is the results of what I did today. And I don't really know why it happened, but I'm going to figure out why these things did this, you know? So uh, I think that mindset is huge in terms of, you know, aspiring shooters, new shooters, like you've got to have that mindset. You have to you have to have this desire to want to know why. So uh, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. It's been a good time. It is uh, 
almost 6 a.m. It looks like I still got enough time for uh, uh, a run and a workout. So the day is still young. Well, get after it and, and let's do this sooner rather than later. Absolutely, man. Uh, anytime. I'm looking forward to a, another chat with you. Heck yeah. I'll take care. Thank you. You too, man. Catch you later.